0: Good. And uh, as I've been thinking about Colossians today, I want us to uh, just cast our mind to um, something that I've watched a little bit over the last few years, and that's been some documentaries on uh, the great wars of the last century, the First World War and the Second World War. Uh, I've looked at some documentaries and read some books, and one of the things that stood out to me was... One of the most, or some of the most encouraging times for soldiers during those great wars uh, was when those guys got letters from back home. When they received a letter from home telling them what was happening at the home front, that seemed to make them really feel like they were connected back to their families at that particular time. And uh, I know these letters were longed for by the soldiers as I read these books, longed for hearing the news about home, and they would feel encouraged and strengthened by that. They actually looked forward to mail day, which is one day a month, when this mail would come in, and they were hoping they would receive some more letters. These letters proved to be a great time of encouragement through times of challenge, and difficulty they experienced during these great wars. Uh, Today, we're going to look at that somewhat similar to the Colossians. They're going to receive a letter, a letter that will help them be strengthened and grow in the gospel of grace that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. So today, if you've got your Bibles there with me, uh, open up to Colossians chapter 1. And uh, we're only going to do the first two verses today in case you're thinking, well, that's not much to do. But that's what we're going to do is the first two verses in Colossians chapter 1. So read with me on that one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise now this morning that we can come and we can open up your living eternal word once again. What a privilege this is. Uh, What a great gift it is that we have the letter written to the Colossians 2,000 years ago now available to us written to us just as well as it is written to the Colossians. God, we thank you that you inspired the Apostle Paul to write this letter to the Colossians people. So, Father, I ask and pray now today that, Holy Spirit, you would come, that you would open up our hearts, our eyes, our ears, our minds to see what's in this great letter and that we too would grow in grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great, guys. Uh, Look, so Paul here is writing a letter to the church in uh, Colossae. I'm just going to lift this up a bit higher. That's better. Oop, dropped again. I hope it doesn't fall over in the middle things. So Paul is writing a letter here to the church in Colossae. This is the only form of communication these people have, other than personal visits. From time to time, people could make personal visits, but the only form of communication were letters. Potentially, though, you'd write a letter... And then you wait for months and months for that letter to maybe to get a reply. Uh, very different today's uh, times we live in. We can actually send an email or write an email and send it across to the other side of the world and uh, we get a reply that bounces back hopefully in a couple of minutes sometimes. So uh, back in those days, no, they had to wait months and months for something to come. As we think about the Colossians letter today, I want us to ask some questions here that'll help us to understand uh, what's happening here with this letter and the Colossian people. and some of those questions today as we think about the opening of this letter will be this, why is it written? Who's it for? And what's happening with them that causes the occasion for this letter to be written? Who's writing the letter? What position does this person hold? And I think today, if we actually explore some of those questions, we'll get the big idea here, right from the outset of the book of Colossians, that it's a letter that has been given to the Colossians from God, and it's here to grow these people into grace and strength to experience the peace of God. And that will be demonstrated here by seeing the the big picture of Jesus Christ. And one of the things we'll see in the weeks to come is the supremacy of Christ, which comes out through this letter as well. So that's what we want to see here as we think about this, this big idea that God is giving a gift here through this letter so that believers in Jesus Christ can grow in their newfound faith. And they can do this amidst a world that is challenging, challenging their own faith and challenging exactly where they're at in life as well. So firstly, as we look at these questions, here's the first one. Who is Paul, the the writer of this letter? And what does he mean here by calling himself an apostle by the will of God? What does Paul mean by that? Firstly, Paul. Paul's a Jewish guy, uh, a very religious guy who was part of the Pharisee religious party as well. Uh, He was a devout follower of the Old Testament law and trying to earn his way into heaven to be with God by obeying all the law of the Old Testament. Uh, he was studied under Gamaliel, who was an excellent teacher of the Old Testament law, and Paul was absolutely saturated in Old Testament teaching and law. Uh, God miraculously saved Paul. He was travelling down to Damascus, as it were, to put into prison or kill this newfound sect of people called Christians. Uh, Jesus came and miraculously saved him on that Damascus Road experience, and out of this, Paul became one of the very people that he was actually going to kill on that day on the, ro- on the road to Damascus. Paul's conversion was truly Radical, very radical. Once he got a vision of who Jesus Christ was, he was enthralled by Jesus. He was absolutely consumed by Jesus in a very great and glorious way by seeing the beauty and the majesty and the love of Christ and what he's done for us and the very person of God Himself in the flesh in Jesus Christ. So Paul was radically taken uh, by Jesus in his heart. But we see here in verse one that Paul calls himself an apostle. Calls himself an apostle. Verse 1 says this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. What does that mean? What does he do? Well, the word apostle there means to be a sent one. It's a sent one, like an envoy. Um, like an ambassador from a country, someone who's the government sends to another country to represent them. And in Paul's context here, it's he's been sent from God. He's like someone who's been coming from God to represent God in that context as a sent one. Now, what we must see here from this is that, that this is a gift of God's grace to the Colossians people, actually to the whole church of the New Testament is the gift of someone being sent from God to the people. God right throughout time has been doing this. Right throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, He's been using human vessels as a word to communicate His Word. Uh, from the Old Testament prophets now to these New Testament apostles, there have been people chosen by God to speak God's word to humanity. He's been sending people on his behalf to represent himself, this is God I'm saying, to declare his word to them. To be declared an apostle, as we think about that now as well, there was some criteria that they had to meet or pass or be tested by maybe. They had to have been with Jesus and they also must have seen Jesus after the resurrection of Christ as well. And they also must have been a, a proven, as it were, gospel maturity or Christian maturity. They couldn't be a newborn believer. They had to be someone who was proven to be growing and maturing in their faith. Paul satisfied all these things. He had seen the risen Christ after the resurrection, and Paul certainly was a growing, maturing believer. Now, this is critical for us as we think about the Colossians. God has ordained that certain people would be responsible, as it were, for the establishment of the church in its early days. Really important here. The apostles... These guys became uh, responsible for guiding and leading the church of Jesus Christ through the very challenging early times the church experienced. Uh, The New Testament church uh, had as as its understanding of God from the Old Testament, they had the Old Testament scriptures and they could see God revealed in and through that, but also it had its foundations in the teachings of Jesus Christ, the one sent from God to be our Messiah. Now, who had those teachings of Jesus Christ? answer, the apostles. The apostles were guys that were trained and equipped by Jesus for this very purpose. For three years, Jesus spent training the disciples who became, the 12 disciples who became the 12 apostles. They received this teaching of Jesus. Now, here's what would happen back in these times as the church was spreading. People travelled to different towns and they showed by the Old Testament scriptures that Jesus is the promised Messiah. The Holy Spirit that would then move upon the hearts of those hearers who were hearing the scriptures opened up from the Old Testament about Jesus the Messiah. And then these people would be born again. They believe in who Jesus is as God's Messiah. And this is where the apostles now begin to step into this situation. Uh, They had a more complete knowledge of who Jesus was, And they would be then used to help and guide and grow the church and help it to navigate through these early days of challenges as they face various issues. Uh, We see this here pictured for us in Ephesians chapter 2. It says this, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Did you get that? Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. What are the apostles? They are God's instruments to help build the foundations of the New Testament church. They've been gifted by God to communicate his word to us so that we can grow in grace. And in many respects, we are doing the same thing here today, the same thing they were doing back then, exchange church, is growing in God's grace upon the foundation of the apostles and their teachings that they received from Jesus and they communicate to us today through these letters. Now, the apostles' writing eventually became the New Testament scriptures as we have today. All the letters from the New Testament are written by the apostles, built on the foundations of the apostles and their teaching. So, what is Paul? Paul is an apostle of grace. Appointed by God with an authority with an authority to represent God. Paul is to guide and lead the church to grow in God's grace. And the church's responsibility is to respect God's ordained purposes and recognise Paul in this position. To understand and respect this is how God has ordained things to take place and to acknowledge Paul's position as the sent one from God and an authority from God. We must listen to Paul. He's been sent by God. So, who is Paul writing to? Paul the Apostle. Who's he writing to? It's a town called Colossae, situated in Asia back then. Uh, But what is now called today modern-day Turkey is where Colossae is. It's a smallish town close to a couple of other towns called Laodicea. You would have heard of Laodicea from the Book of Revelation and Hierapolis. All of these towns were really close. They could actually nearly see each other uh, and they were situated in what we call the Lycus Valley at that time. As most places were back then, it was under Roman occupation in the times of the Roman uh, occupation. It had a strong Greek influence in the town. Also, many Jews had migrated there as well. That gives us a slight picture here of Colossae. Colossae also is a town that's situated about 150 kilometres inland from the town of Ephesus, which was a major point of teaching where Paul was, which probably explains for us too how the gospel got to Colossae. Paul spent two years in Ephesus preaching and explaining the gospel. And it's quite probable that a man called Epaphras, who so we're going to hear more of him as we go through Colossians as well, uh, who was from Colossae, was in Ephesus and who was converted by Paul and he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Epaphras then has gone back to his hometown uh, where the Holy Spirit has also moved on him and moved on the others as he shared Jesus with them as well. And now let's just stop here for a moment and just think about that. Isn't that a beautiful picture of God's grace as we think about Paul preaching in Ephesus? Epaphras goes there and listens to him and Epaphras takes the gospel back to Colossae. It really is a picture about God saving and rescuing people. Paul couldn't be in every possible Roman town in the Roman world at that time. So God saves Epaphras and brings him back to Colossae to share the good news of Jesus Christ. God is a saving God, a rescuing God in every possible way. Okay, Colossae is like most towns back then. It has a whole range of people and diverse backgrounds. It has Roman pagan influence. It has Greek influence. It has Jewish influence. It also has the unreligious or the irreligious influence as well. People just don't want to bar up any type of God. They're just living for life right now. And it's here that a paraphrase, as it were, shares the gospel and people believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. God's Messiah. Have a look at here how Paul now addresses these ones who've heard the gospel and believed it, as Epaphras has shared it. Look in verse 2 to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Isn't it wonderful the way Paul addresses them there as saints? They're saints. That means the Colossians have been set apart by God to be his people who experience his grace. The Colossians are the sanctified ones, people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for the forgiveness of their sins. They've been cleansed, they've been washed, they've been set apart. They are new people. They are saints before God. God sees them now in the perfection of Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful way here that Paul introduces this letter, that they are saints, sanctified ones, now gloriously in a living and loving relationship with Jesus Christ. And they're now wonderfully also called together into a body of believers that God calls the church. Paul addresses them as brothers. It's like family. We're family. A family of believers with God as their heavenly father and brothers and sisters in Christ all around about them in the church. You see, to be in a church is a gift of God's grace. To be in a church is to is to be uh, in a gift of God's grace. God calls us to be together in community and fellowship, something we're really missing at the moment as we are socially uh, distancing ourselves in this isolation. Now, let's think about Colossae a bit further. In their present situation, it's a young church. It's a fledgling church. And they're trying to grow in their newfound faith. They're trying as best they can. But no doubt there's lots of challenges that they are faced with. People have been saved from all walks of life and with that they bring lots of baggage from the past with them into this church, into this new fellowship. Also because of their close linkages with Judaism and a number of Jews were saved as well, some Jews have actually brought some of their Jewish practices in there and they're mixing this all in together and it's creating some confusion and some dramas uh, for this church. They haven't got the New Testament as we have got it now. So church life for them is pretty confusing in many ways. There are all these different people bringing all these different opinions and different thoughts all to the same table. I can imagine there's some dramas there. So with this, this is where the, apost- the apostolic authority of Paul steps in. Paul writes a letter to them to encourage them and to guide them through these challenges that they're facing at the moment. And we'll see this later on, that Paul is dealing with some of these false teachers here who are trying to bring back this Old Testament sacrificial law and obedience to the Ten Commandments and ceremonial law, trying to bring that back in and saying, you need this to complete your salvation. And Paul's also going to deal with some other people here and false teachings to deal with angels, that people are getting visitations from angels and these angels are giving them divine guidance. And Paul's saying, no, 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 it's not going to be about that, guys. It's going to be about Jesus Christ. He is the fulfilment of everything we possibly need. We're going to see that over the weeks to come. So let's get the picture here as we think about Colossae, the Colossian church. They've received this letter from, from uh, uh, for the church. And I can imagine it's come like this. The elders have received the letter. Paul's written and it's delivered to the elders who have been appointed to lead the church in Colossae this time. I can imagine the elders would get together. They would read this letter carefully. They would digest it, process it, get it in their minds about what's happening here what Paul's writing and think about it really carefully and clearly. Then they would do this. They would gather the church together on the first day of the week, on a Sunday. And an elder would rise and he would read out this letter that Paul has written to the church. He'll explain what Paul is saying in this letter. He'll begin to unpack it for the whole church. And he'll show them how it applies to the different situations they're facing here in Colossae. They'd be hanging on every word of Paul with his apostolic authority to give them guidance through their um, challenging situations. I can imagine the rest of the church here listening really carefully, absorbing everything the elder says as this letter is written, uh, uh, read out to the church at that time, which again is very similar to what we're doing here on a Sunday morning at exchange. We read out these letters, we explain these letters and see how it works and applies in our lives. Now, they would have treasured this letter, they would have treasured this letter. They let it, They recognised that this letter was a gift of grace from God. They understand Paul's position as an apostle and God's authority that comes with that. They probably made and did actually make careful copies of that letter so others could read it as well. And when I say careful, they'd be really careful to make it word for word exactly what Paul said. We're not going to change it. We're not going to alter it. It's going to be word for word for what Paul said. And that's why we have scripture today because God has so ordained that we would have copies of these original documents. Sure, we've got it here translated into English, but all that translation came from the original manuscripts and God has carefully preserved his word, these letters, down through the ages, so we too today can open up the book of Colossians. You see, God loves his church. God loves the Colossian church. God loves the exchange church. God loves his church. And the Colossian church is a gift gift of God's grace that he keeps and preserves through his word and his spirit. The Colossian church is a gift of God's grace. It's a place for young believers and all believers to keep growing in their grace. Now, this brings us to our last question as we think about this here today. What is God's purpose here in this letter? What is God trying to achieve? What is God wanting to actually communicate here through this letter for this uh, young fledgling church in Colossae? Well, it's what God is always doing with himself. And what is God always doing with himself? He is glorifying himself so that he looks greater and greater in our eyes. And through that, we are growing in him as we see the greatness of who God is. Look with me in verse two, and you'll see that there to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. What does Paul say here in that last part? Grace to you and peace from God our Father. This letter, written to the Colossians 2,000 years ago, written to us today, is purposed by God to bring about his favour and his strength to be made known to us, to the Colossians back then and to us today. Grace to you. God is wanting to communicate his favour and his strength to us so that we can grow as believers in Jesus, so that we can actually hear his word, learn in faith, grow in faith, more and more about Jesus. Think about those Colossians. They've got distorted lies coming in from false teachers. They've got their own baggage from their past experiences they're bringing in as well at that time. And all of that combines, it's like a confusion. They're not sure which way to go forward, how to do the next thing best. They're not sure where to go. So what does God do? Out of his bountiful grace, the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to write to them. God communicates his truth to the Colossians. Setting forth them, this is how you navigate through this situation. This is how you think about me in relation to what you're dealing with right now. And that enables them to to sort of get clarity in their own mind so they can now see clearly going into the future and how to step forward to live life to bring honour and glory to God. And this is precisely what we read as we go through Colossians. The Holy Spirit is equipping and growing those believers by His grace through His word. This is what God is doing in the book of Colossians. He wants to grow us in grace. And God is bountiful here in growing in grace. He's not just giving us a few bits and pieces, a few tidbits. He's actually giving us complete letters that we can read. Now, as we grow in this grace as well, it says there, and peace to you, we experience God's peace. That's exactly how it works. As we apply God's truth to a situation, God's grace floods our hearts And we experience God's peace. And that is a wonderful, wonderful thing to experience as we grow in grace. Now, here's the challenge for us. Here's the challenge for us. Listen to this carefully now. Are we willing to recognize Paul's apostolic authority in this letter? Are we willing to say, This is a letter from God that I must listen to and obey? Are we willing to recognise this authority that comes through God's word, that comes from the foundation of the apostles as they give us Jesus' teachings? Now, you see, this is a really important question because we live in a world that only recognises authority as long as it says what I want it to say. If it doesn't say what I want it to say, well, then I'm moving on to someone else. If it's a different political persuasion and they've got a different agenda in life and they've got the authority, well, I don't like that authority. That's the world we live in now. We only want to recognise authority if it says what I want it to say. And we live in a world that uh, repercussions out of that is division. We're divided. One goes that way, one goes another way, and one goes through the middle. Division comes out because we're not willing to recognise authority. And maybe that's your experience today. Maybe you've experienced this division in your own life. They're thinking, well, which is the right way to go? I feel divided. I feel like this is the right way, but I've got so many other voices leading the other way. I don't know which authority to submit to. Maybe it's your first time online with us at Exchange, and we are so glad that you're here with us today. We would like to tell you about the gospel that speaks a different story about authority. There is only one true authority above this universe. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is supreme, and it's a loving authority. It's a glorious authority. So stick with us and you'll hear about this uh, great authority that we can uh, submit ourselves to gladly and willingly. Now, even if we do rebel against authority, the great thing is he is glad to welcome us back. God is glad to welcome us back. And how does he do that? Look in the middle of verse 2 there, you'll see some words that are really important. It says there, in Christ, in Christ. Jesus makes that possible for us. If we've rebelled against God's authority, we can now come back to God because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. He's taken our sin upon himself at the cross and purchased our forgiveness so that now we can willingly submit ourselves to God's authority in Christ. This is what Jesus is. He's a gift of God's grace that allows us to experience further grace that we can also receive from the Colossians as we, as we read their letter today as well. So what do we do with this opening? What do we do with these opening two verses here that we see uh, in the first uh, chapter of Colossians? I think we do this. We do exactly what the Colossians did. They gathered around to hear Paul's guidance to help live a grace-filled life. I can imagine those guys, the church there, thinking over Paul's words from this letter and then imagining how their thoughts will be changed about the way they're going to face situations coming into this week or the things they've been dealing with in the past few weeks. Their minds will be renewed. They now know how to think. They now know how to approach life. And I can imagine these guys having conversations with each other uh, through the week. Did, did you hear what Paul said when he spoke about that? And did you hear what Paul said when he spoke about that? This would begin to, as it were, reflect in their minds. And this is what we need to do today. We need to actually uh, reflect over this truth and apply it to our hearts in our lives. And this is exactly what lies before us here in Colossians as we go explore this over these next few weeks. As we open these words up, it's God speaking to us. So I would to challenge you now, this week, pick up the book of Colossians and read it right through. I'll take just a few minutes and ask God, God, teach me and show me through Colossians. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you today that we are able to come before you and to thank you for the blessing of having the book of Colossians. God, thank you that you've sent apostles like Paul and you've inspired them to write letters which have now become the scripture for today. I pray, God, help us to recognize that authority and not to run from that authority. Help us, Lord, to gladly welcome that authority and not reject that authority, I pray. Help us to see that this is your word designed for us. And this is your word designed to communicate grace into our lives, to help change us and transform us so that ultimately we get to experience your peace as we live a life in submission before you. Father, I pray, please help us to know that. Please help us over these next few weeks as we explore this in Colossians, that we will see great things that will change us and help us to become more like Christ and grow our relationship with you and then also grow our relationship with each other. God, we commit that to you now and ask it and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, really want to thank you for joining with us uh, today here at Exchange. If you have any questions or queries or would like some prayer, as Laurel mentioned earlier on, uh, please contact me and you'll see it on the bottom of your screen now, info at exchangechurch.org.au and I will gladly be in contact with you. I'm going to hand back over now to Enoch and Andy as they lead us in a final song to close the service with. Thank you.